1: 531, Darren Pritchett from the Compton Family Ice Arena, where the Irish hockey team will take on Western Michigan tonight. Let's talk a little more football right now with one of our colleagues from Blue and Gold Illustrated. Check out his work at blueandgold.com. Patrick Engel jumps on board for a couple of minutes on this Friday before the Irish take on UNLV. Patrick, thank you so much for your time. How are you today?
2: Doing great, Darren. For, uh, for those who are already over it, and uh, if in this rare circumstance, looking forward to basketball season, uh, I spent the afternoon uh, where I saw it was a basketball media day. And uh, I think for, for those looking to look ahead, uh, I, I think you can be justified in feeling good about where Notre Dame basketball might go. But that's not why you brought me on here. So let's talk to Notre Dame UNLV.
1: That was actually something I was going to bring up to my first question. I was over there with you for media day. It's kind of fun to see a roster with so many familiar faces. And Mike Bray is old, which he loves. I mean, they're older than old. It's almost like senior citizen old this year with some young pups mixed in. So I think there's every reason to have a lot of optimism about this Irish basketball team. In fact, it's a team I'm not really worried about making the tournament. I'm kind of curious to see how good they can be this year. Is that the way you kind of look at this season?
2: I think so, just because the expectation isn't anything or in the same way it was last year, which was everything revolved around just get in the bracket, hear Greg Gumbel say the words Notre Dame on selection Sunday. Now yeah. that's not really the frame of mind anymore, where that's They crossed that off, they tasted some wins in March, and now they're thinking even bigger than that. And even though I think the rest of the college basketball world is still a little reminiscent, the expectations are still higher, where being picked six in the ACC wouldn't necessarily say, oh, this is a second-weekend team, or even if they'll tell you they want to be a Final Four team, but it's higher expectations, and seemingly the the bare minimum is like no one's really thinking about, oh, they're going to – Struggle to to make it in there, so yeah, I think it is you know okay to be optimistic about it. And I, I looked this up uh, after opening a couple nights of uh, NBA games. It, depending on what lineups the Spurs roll out there for a few games this year, and maybe the Thunder, uh, there's a chance that Notre Dame's top seven could be older than the San Antonio Spurs <laughs> starting five in, in a particular game. It wasn't on uh, on Wednesday in their first game, but uh, that's something to monitor.
1: Mm. Crazy to think about. All right, well, I put it off long enough. Let's talk about the Irish football offense because I think the basketball offense is going to roll just fine this year, but we're still looking for consistency, and I kind of feel like after the Stanford game, they've lost their identity, whatever identity they had. They had some momentum going for a couple of weeks, but to score 14 points against Stanford is unacceptable. To have 301 yards of total offense was unacceptable, You look at some of the film of the game with extra hats in the box. I don't think Notre Dame schematically took advantage of everything that they could have in the passing game against Stanford. So this was a very disappointing and frustrating performance from my standpoint. Patrick, what can the Irish hang their hat on now through the rest of the season? Do you see anything that can propel this football team to more success on the offensive side of the football
2: I think Marcus Freeman summed it up fairly well when he was talking about, on Monday, his frustrations from that game and just like trying to figure out what happened and where it all went wrong after three in a row. where it's, He was really a buyer in what they did in that three-game win streak. And to see it just completely no-show in the manner that it did, especially on offense, uh, against a defense that uh, wouldn't be surprised at the end of the year we'd look up and see that Stanford is among the three worst and maybe even higher than that, worst defenses they would have played this year. So I think it's just really finding out how to get back to doing exactly what they did against BYU, against uh, North Carolina, and even maybe a little bit in the second half against Cal there. But I don't think – I think the numbers lie a little bit in terms of just how far they were from that. Where you look at 14 points and rushing output that – wasn't very good, and obviously at 14 points, like you said, just can't happen. Still averaged a season high in yards before contact per carry. So, a pretty good sign that the offensive line wasn't like a total regression to what we right. were seen the first two games of the year. And Drew Prime, pressure rate under 20%. Those are numbers that are pretty in line, if not better, with the, what you saw in that three game win streak. So, it's not like it completely folded with no way to find it, but. In the end, the output still wasn't there, and that's what we had to figure out a way to be able to do. And there were, I mean, as much as it's important for Marcus Freeman to understand that those execution things he harped on 27 times after the Stanford game, start with him. There were still some plays where it looked like a good call and a yep. good everything except for just got to be there. That The touchdown that, uh, that would have been to Braden Lindsey, but uh, Drew Pine missed high on just as one example. I don't want to single that out and put it all on one guy's shoulders. But that's one exactly where it just, one of those things, that just has to be a layup, has to be a, a play that works. And you can find a lot of those from uh, a lot of different situations in the game. But those are the things that just you know, you know can't really have throughout the rest of the year and certainly can't have Saturday.
1: Yeah, and Patrick, you're right. There were two gimme passing touchdowns that were missed. Estimate fumbling kind of gets lost in the shuffle. That was a major play in the fourth quarter. And you hit on something that I think I left the game being most concerned about. It was a clean pocket at least 75% of the time for Drew Pine in that football game, yet he was under 50%, and those two touchdown pass misses, I, I felt like there was a good enough pocket there where he could step in and deliver the football accurately, so I guess that's what I leave the game almost as concerned about as anything. The offensive line held up pretty good in that ball game, but there were just... Unfortunately, maybe it was just a bad day for Drew Pine. We all have bad days in our line of work. I hope that's the case because I'm not sure the offensive line could have done a better job in protecting him.
2: No, I really think that's exactly what it was—just a a bad day at work for for Drew Pine. Because, like you said, it was not like he was, you know, had somebody breathing down his neck after every snap. This isn't, you know, Justin Fields Thursday Night Football against the Commanders (laughs) or anything. So. It's really just got to be like you know those are some of those throws just have to be completions when you're quarterback at Notre Dame and they were for two and a half games there and they weren't against Stanford and I guess we'll kind of see what that evens out to going forward but I think that's kind of a reason to just keep going with and see exactly what you have with time. because when you ultimately four starts is a small enough sample where you don't want to draw anything conclusive even if you have preconceived ideas or or views on it that I don't want to say are wrong or anything, and it, who knows, might end up being proven true. But that's why you play a whole 12 games and don't just shut it down after six. But, yeah, there's a lot of those that, that Pine was hitting in the previous games and just didn't. A quick one to the Ronzo styles that was high and a little wide then maybe he still should have caught, but still, it's it was a, a throw at the line of scrimmage. It has to be more on target than it was. Uh, the, I think the first Meriwether miss in looks a little worse just based on how his overall day was. Ultimately, they, they called a shot for him two times. He hit one of those. It's really not that bad at hit rate, even though he was open on both times and I making it sting a little bit more. But it's the the one to lend you where it's unobstructed and it's only a 20-yard throw or the flow, throw in the flat, to the style there, where it's like one are the ones you got to be hitting every week.
1: Patrick Engel from Blue and Gold Illustrated, my guest. All right, here's a loaded question for you. I'm putting you in charge of the Irish offense and personnel for – Let's say a matchup against Syracuse, Irish are down seven, two minutes to go. you got the ball on your own 25-yard line. You have to march down the field for a game-tying touchdown. I'm going to put you in a three-wide receiver set. Which three wide receivers would you put on the field?
2: Yeah, I think it's, uh, you have to at least consider Tobias Mayerweather there. And it doesn't sound completely outlandish that it, as it would have a couple of weeks ago, just because you've seen the last couple of games of, like, there's things he's doing to that are clearly signs that he's gained trust in the coaching staff's eyes. Where it was BYU, he only played a few snaps and didn't wasn't targeted, but he's out there on a couple of really important third downs. So you're not putting anybody out there you think is going to mess up on, on third down. And then, obviously, now you have the 10 snaps and a couple targets there against Stanford. And I think, ultimately, you look at the... Drive that was kind of a similar situation this last week against Stanford. And it's like, what was really the plan here just felt kind of scattershot. And even if Meriwether only still has some plays that are like tagged for him, as he had told us when he talked to reporters on Tuesday, those are still ones you kind of want to go to because it's, you know, this is a guy who can add something new to your receiver room that's otherwise not out, not out on the field. But as far as the other two, I still think Rental Rento Styles absolutely has to be out there. And then, I think Jaden Thomas. If you if you just want some kind of like contested catch, uh, try to go, you know, moss a defender like we saw him do against sure. BYU. Like, who could give a like a pretty let's say it's Clemson suspect Clemson secondary some some problems or really get physical with them? I think that Thomas is where you look there. But then again, you know, I, I know Braden Lindsay, he's drawn some Johnson, Iron. The production hasn't really been there, but he was in in a. Similar spot of let's score really quickly before Marshall, and he cooked the guy in a route, uh, you know, the and Kyler Buckner didn't hit the throw. So there's there's that aspect of it, too. He's still one of the faster guys out there. But if you made me pick, I think it would be Meriwether, Styles, uh, and Jen
1: Thomas. I like the sound of that. I want to touch on the defense. From what they're playing well enough to win a lot of football games right now. Didn't work out last week. Two stats that really stand out. Patrick and I want to get your thoughts on this and and what it means going forward but Notre Dame only two takeaways this year and and Tyler your colleague at Blue and Gold Illustrate, brought up a stat today that I was not aware of that Notre Dame is second worst in the country in pass breakups with Charlotte the only team worse in that category. A is that a sign of or those two stats is that a sign of Thinking too much and not reacting—is this a sign that they have to simplify some things on the defensive side of the football, or am I totally off in trying to combine these two things?
2: No, I don't think you're off, and it's just kind of one of those weird things. Of they're at least in the turnover market, they're doing some things well enough to be generating more than they should. Like the, the fumble luck has been something that you think will revert eventually. Like every forced fumble they've gotten credit for has not been recovered. The only one that they recovered this year was the one against North Carolina that wasn't credited as a forced fumble. Drake may just drop the ball. And so the more fumbles you force and they've been getting the ball out at a better rate recently, like eventually one's going to bounce to you or it's just going to score it out of an offensive lineman's hands when he falls on the ground to recover it or something like that. So I think they're doing the right thing there. and. Last week wasn't a particularly good indicator of it, but I think the pass rush that has been better in recent weeks, the more you, times you pressure or sack a sack of QB, I mean, the more times you're, every sack you think of as a chance to strip the ball out. So I think that's closer than uh, the pass breakups, and then by extension there the, the interceptions, where I think a couple of games that it would have been hard to really get hands on the ball a lot just with, Stanford and Marshall both going to a real quick game where they were getting the ball out in you know less than two and a half seconds on average, and the average depth of throw mm-hmm. was under five yards. So in that case, it's going to be a little harder to break it up. But there have been plays there to be made that whether it's just the guy getting turned around or just not really uh, timing his jump correctly or anything like that, where you think, oh, that was a chance to get a hand on it. But yeah, I, I think that's a thing that really has to happen where you know, I think Notre Dame's defense has largely been like pretty good as far as assignment sound and, and, and effort and all that. But that's one reason why they've, you know, I think has been really struggling to get stops in the red zone and, and just being able to, you know, not only get a stop, but create some plus field position or, or get the offense a, a short field. So, yeah, that, that, that is, a, especially the pass breakups one, something that really has to, uh, I think, turn around quick, but probably something they're going to have at least a chance to do more. When you look at some of the upcoming offenses after UNLV with Syracuse, mm-hmm. uh, a, a good passing offense is not going to try to go dink and dunk. Clemson, absolutely not. USC, if you want to think that far ahead. But, yeah, absolutely a, a concerning stat just in the sense of this can't keep going on like that if you, you, know, you want to give your offense a chance and set them up more with the shortfields.
1: Well, Patrick, how about a little thought for our listeners? Some of the content available right now, maybe tomorrow, at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com.
2: We've got all kinds of stuff up on uh, today, Friday, my usual Friday column. Uh, My colleague, Tyra Horka's uh, mailbag is up. Uh, Todd Burlidge has a a story up on Chris Smith, a defensive tackle, who played more snaps than any Notre Dame interior offensive lineman since Jerry Tillery four years ago, Uh, a guy who's really kind of been relied on now that that position has been tested by uh, some, some injuries and has, has depth uh, kind of tested a little bit. And then tomorrow, of course, uh, we'll, we'll both be out there, and you know, you'll know you find our coverage, and including my column, my my thoughts, Tyler's report card uh, deep into the, the early evening and, and into the night there.
1: Very good. He is Patrick Engel. Check out his work at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Patrick, thank you so much for your time on this Friday, and we'll see you soon. All right, Darren, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Patrick Engel, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. 5.46 is our time. Darren Pritchard with you. Sports be live from the Compton Family Ice Arena. We'll talk some sports wagering and how this Notre Dame UNLV game will play out coming up in just a couple of moments on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.